Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Mike Thomas. I'm Suzanne Zargis. In case you missed it, the latest blog post is out, and it's all about discussion boards. And so one of the things that we've done for this past couple of weeks, and next week it'll be the combining the two, what they're like, is taking you through what a discussion board can be used for, how it can be used, and some great tips with that. So go ahead and check out the latest blog post on the WeLearn page on MySPS or in Brightspace if you find my name, Michael Thomas. In case you missed it, we will be hosting our WeLearn Wednesdays on March 28th. Here you'll be able to attend one of four sessions hosted by your peer teachers. On the 28th, you have the choices of a beginner level Office 365 Teams, technology in kindergarten with Office 365 OneNote and GetEpic.com, improve reading and comprehension through ReadWorks, News ELA, and Tween Tribune, and Office 365 Tips and Tricks for Using OneNote's Class Notebook with students and staff. If you have any questions about We Learn Wednesdays, email DLA Support. We'll be happy to tell you all about it. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, Hot Take. March and being a teacher from my time of teaching is how it's kind of like the longest month of the school year. It's after February break, before April break, before the stress of testing, but you get all of the stress of pre-testing. So for me, it was always a very kind of cold and dry month, especially because there's no days off, unless of course you like us and get snowmageddon every other week. That's right, Mike. It's definitely a very long month. And with the winter we've had this year, uh, I think many teachers are a bit in the, the doldrums right now. So at the time of this recording, there supposedly is supposed to be another winter blast of snow again this week. But last I checked, and hopefully for our listeners, you'll agree, is that it's supposed to be a light snow around here. Maybe not the rest of the state, but around here, we should be pretty good. And so in thinking of kind of the doldrums and how it can kind of be a depressing part of the year because it's cold, you can't go outside, you can't do a lot of those fun things, we thought it'd be good to bring an article to your attention, uh, one that is all about inspiration because during this time of year especially is when we can get down on the dumps, we can start doubting our ability as a teacher because of various things going on, or we just long for better days. 
Right, and we know how busy teachers are and how difficult it is sometimes to to find something inspirational. So this podcast, meant to inform and inspire, is one resource for teachers. And I loved the article that you found that will allow us to enlighten teachers as to other sources to be inspired. So this article comes with five resources, but in some ways, some of these resources you can be used over and over again. Although being a male teacher, I might disagree with one of them myself. Hmm. So you'll have to see when we get there to that one. But what's great is that there's a lot of small ways around you every day that can kind of help with that feeling of just needing some little inspiration. And so the first thing is TED-Ed. I'm sure you've heard of TED Talks. TED-Ed is very similar. There are talks that are really directed, that are classroom educated focused. They are done by people that many of us respect, many of us have read books by and have been inspired by. And in fact, many of the talks that I really find inspiring are actually out on Microsoft Stream on our educational inspirational channel. That's a mouthful, I might change that name later on, but it's they're out there and so they're really great and inspiring and really make you in a better mood. And remember why you became a teacher in the first place. We know how stressful every day can be and everything that's on a teacher's plate and uh, we want to let you know that that we understand that and hopefully this will help lift your spirits. So some of the other things that are part of the TED-Ed, not just the talk. So like if you want to see the talks, go out to our Microsoft stream. We've got a bunch of our favorites. There's a bunch of Sir Ken Robinson. There is a Grits talk by Angela Duckworth. If you've not read her book, it's amazing and eye-opening. And there's a few talks by Carol Dweck. And there's some talks about how coding and gaming and how math can be fun and just so many different ones that we have posted. But if you go out to the TED-Ed website, which we'll include in our show notes, there's a couple of cool classroom things in there too, like actual lessons that you can use, which are, they cover a wide range of topics and they're all very interesting. And Mike, I just want to reiterate for people who may not be familiar with TED-Ed, if they went online and they did a simple search on TED-Ed, they would find the TED-Ed Talks? Yeah. Sounds easy. So that's one place where you can get some new ideas for lessons, where you can get inspiration, as you said, Suzanne, to like remind yourself of like why you're doing what you're doing. And like I said earlier in this talk, This is generally for me, and I know for other teachers too, because I can't be the only one. This is the hardest month of the year to teach. So inspiration in whatever form is great. And that's where TED-Ed comes in. So along with TED-Ed, another one makes me laugh because I think all I can think of is Jimmy Fallon. Why? Hashtag conversations. Hashtag, why are we talking about this? Hashtag, that's it. And so there's a cool hashtag out there, which I don't know if you've taken a look at. I've seen a few posts on it called hashtag thank a teacher. And it's all these people who have thanked their teacher, a particular teacher for some reason. And so they do hashtag thank a teacher. You can find it out there on Twitter. I believe you can also find some of them on Instagram too, where it's just, it's those stories that you hear that you're like, That's why I'm teaching. It might not be for today. The student might hate every minute of my class, 
But five years from now, 10 years from now, because of something we did in that class, it's inspired them to actually do something. And so I even think of um, one of the recent interviews I had, one with um, Brittany Blake, where she was talking about how some of her students have gone on because of the social uh, awareness projects that she's done, like have gone on to actually do something and might not otherwise have been without being inspired. And so for her, I can see some students doing hashtag thank a teacher. You know, I didn't realize that it was such a, a movement or a thing until I read this article. But now thinking about it, I have seen in several places, hashtag thank a teacher. And um, Mike, again, for those people who may not be uh, regular Twitter users or mm -hmm. Instagram or the other um, platforms that you mentioned, how would they go about finding uh, different people that have posted with that hashtag? I mean, one of the ways that you could do it is Google hashtag thank a teacher and see what pops up. So they could just go on the internet and type yep. in hashtag thank a teacher and they'd find it all. Yep. Although I also will say, kind of adding to this list, I know it's a list of five, but one thing I might add is actually have a Twitter account and follow a bunch of different educational people because they're also very inspiring too. It's like you don't have to like watch the TED Ed videos or read read a transcript of a talk like you can get a hashtag like inspirational things all day basically uh, i know one of the business ones that i follow because i'm always interested in that i actually get an email of what is being sent out as like the inspirational quote of the day and i imagine if you type in hashtag inspirational quote into twitter it'll blow up <laughs> maybe not maybe not like physically blow up but you'll get a lot of results Yes, and that is, that is a good piece of advice. I know uh, my husband uses Twitter all the time, and the network that he's created amongst people that are in his field is just phenomenal. And I think the more teachers that do use Twitter and follow each other, not just within this district, you, you understand that you can follow people across the country or across the world and think of all the knowledge that you can gain just by connecting via Twitter. So um, I'll readily admit mm -hmm. I need to get better at using Twitter, but uh, it is it is a great platform. It is. And also there could be a lot of inspiration for lessons too. Especially because I know we do a lot of reteach lessons. Like if you're stuck and you post out there, hey, anyone got a great idea for teaching fractions? I don't know. I always go back to fractions. They seem to be difficult <laughs> for students. Or I need some great inspiration on teaching on Attila the Hun. I don't know where that just came from either. It just popped into my head. <laughs> Say Attila the Hun, say it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that, though. Not the Attila the Hun part, but about getting ideas from other teachers because I have read of school systems that regularly have scheduled Twitter chats. So the teachers know, say, for example, every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, their peers are going to be on Twitter discussing whatever they choose to get ideas from each other. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could get that started in Springfield. Maybe, but one of these other ideas I really like more and I would love to get started, and that is the, I'm going to jump around, I know you're looking at your notes, but I'm going to jump around, is the Smile Back channel. Mm -hmm. I love this idea. I've been in schools where it's been done verbally um, at like staff meetings or like a quick morning meeting before the school day starts. But basically the idea behind it is using something like Padlet and asking every teacher to like put something that was inspiring that day or something that made you smile or 
something that someone did that made you smile, whether it's a student or a teacher. And I just love that idea because that's a quick, easy thing that we can all go and reference. Right. It's it's absolutely a, just a fabulous idea, in my opinion. And I think it's... Um, it's very easy throughout the day to to get weighed down by uh, certain negative events that might occur. But it makes me think of some of the challenging students that I've had in my past teaching career and how even with the, the most difficult students, it was my responsibility as a teacher to find the positive in that child. I didn't want any student of mine to go home without something positive from me. So I think it, it, the same applies to teachers. We need to remind each other of all the positive that happens in this job. Yeah, and there is a lot, and there's a lot of great stories. That's why we do the teacher spotlights. That's why we do our interviews with teachers. That's why we try to be out in schools, because we love to be able to share, especially for the, those teachers who are having a tough time, to like, it gets better. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. I like that they call it the smile back channel too, because it makes it sound like it's something super secret. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I just know that whenever you smile at someone, 99% of the time, they smile back. So if somebody's <laughs> having a horrible day and they look at this Padlet or however your school chooses to set it up and see something positive, eventually they'll smile back. So smile back channel, that was another one of the ideas that they had. A fourth one was reading with purpose. So I know a lot of schools do book studies. I know Central Office does book studies. I'm not a part of one of those right now, but I know that there are different groups in the district who are doing um, reading with purpose, basically, doing like book clubs. Um, you could even take this online. You can use something like Yammer and set up a book club there. You can use um, a DDLC and set it up in the discussion chat there you can use Microsoft Teams and do the chat there um, but the idea is that so instead of being frustrated with the things that are going on it's one of those tools a book club especially if you're reading particular books on different issues that might be pertaining to your school it could be one it could be a little cathartic it could be like because you're not the only one which a lot of times teachers feel that way because we are in our own bubble, we are in our own classroom. There are some schools I know who don't close doors so that the whole school can be a part of that particular classroom, but there's other schools where the doors are closed and they're locked. And the only way in and out is somebody opening the door or them having a key. And so we can really feel alone a lot of times, especially new teachers. My first year of teaching, despite having a building with a lot of great teachers in it, I did feel alone at times. I, I don't know if that's mostly because I'm a guy, but no, I think it's true. You know, whether you're you're a guy or or a woman, it's um, you're just so incredibly busy, and you're you're doing the best that you can, and there's not always enough time at the end of the day, to, or during the day, to collaborate with your peers. And whether that involves venting or talking about something positive, the the time is just so precious. So I love the reading with purpose idea because it forces people to focus on something positive. Again, similar to the Smile Back channel, uh, you might get some opportunities to vent your frustrations, but I'm sure other people in the group will focus you in on the positive again. And it's a continuing learning experience as well and hopefully inspiring and giving 
teachers many new ideas of what to do in their classroom. Yeah, and if all else, you can actually just do a book club for fun, too. Right. Like, you can all read a book together like you would in any other book club and have discussion questions, and someone can be responsible for that week of conversation. So even if it's not directly related to classrooms, school, culture, whatever, like, even if it's reading, like, the latest James Patterson book, and talking about it that's good for the soul and it's good for you as a teacher I know like when I finally found things that kind of allowed me to not focus on the negative all the time I became a much happier teacher definitely and I think there's a lot to be said too in taking the steps necessary to develop relationships with the other teachers within your school you know, as you said it's very easy to just seem very isolated within your classroom but to reach out and participate in something like this, I think is just a wonderful thing. So now we're getting to the one that I think is controversial. Now I see why you left this one to last. <laughs> it didn't occur to me at first, but... So um, are you a big Pinterest person? I am not. I keep saying that I will be, <laughs> and I, I do have a Pinterest account. I just don't post to it regularly or look at it regularly, even though my nieces and my daughter have huge Pinterest boards <laughs> and I'm sure if I if I made myself get into the habit of using it I would love it. it <laughs> so in Pinterest for those of you who don't know it's basically like a giant um, pin board hence the Pinterest of things that you're interested in and so a lot of teachers who use it will use it to find lesson plan ideas they'll find inspiration for what they're going to teach and so when you start doing that, it develops its own, it's got its own little analytics where it starts to figure out, oh, this person's a teacher because they keep looking up all this education stuff. So they start to give you ideas of what to think about. And this is one of those ideas that keeps coming up. Do you know what a meme is? It took me a while to finally <laughs> understand that. I mean, I knew of it before today, but um, yeah. yes, I do know what a meme is. You're I always, I always explain want to... it to those that. First, I'll say um, I always wanted to mispronounce it because I have a, a French background, <laughs> so I always wanted to say meme, but it's not meme; <laughs> it's meme. <laughs> Anyways, it's it, my definition is it's a, a picture, whether it's a photograph or a cartoon, and it has uh, words imposed on top of it, most of the time, a joke or sarcastic comment. <laughs> so Pinterest uses meme, has memes in it, and the one that comes up a lot, and I noticed it when I was using Pinterest a lot, I don't use it as much anymore, because I'm not teaching, so I don't use it as much, was Ryan Gosling. I don't know what the obsession is with Ryan Gosling, <laughs> but there would always be these memes on there that would be like, hey girl, why don't you put down that grading? <laughs> and that literally is what it says. And it's just like a picture of him like shirtless. And I'm just like, I know I'm a teacher and I know I'm a minority because I'm a guy teacher, but please stop it with the Ryan Gosling <laughs> memes. But I can see their purpose, especially in what we're talking about, which is just ways to be inspired when the day is tough. Exactly. Just something light and funny and um, 
just something to uplift your spirits during the day. And just to clarify, not only are you a male teacher, which is a mm-hmm. minority, but you're a male elementary teacher. You were a male elementary <laughs> teacher, which I, I will never forget when I got my master's in education, the cohort I was in, there was maybe two men hmm. in the entire cohort of about say, And one 25 of them was probably going to be a gym teacher. No, 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 they were definitely classroom teachers. But um, I was the only guy going through school. So all of that, all the artificial intelligence that's going into generating these memes for certain people assumes that you are not a male. Yeah. So it's just one of those things like this one, especially like if you were to just Google Ryan Gosling teacher, there would be they would all appear Mm -hmm. and it'd be very easy to find. So like if you don't use Pinterest or you don't use Twitter, this would be a very that one's a very easy way to find it. They just happen to have a whole like Pinterest page dedicated to Ryan Gosling teacher memes. See, if it was Ryan Reynolds, maybe I would be feel a little different, but I don't know. I mean, he's the notebook actor. Ryan Gosling is after all, and that's very popular. Movie. Yes, it is. So. It is. I'm sure there are many other um, popular actors out there that are on memes. We just need to do a little searching. On teacher memes. Teacher memes, I'm yes. sure there's teacher lots memes. of people on different memes. <laughs> so these are just a few ways to be inspired and to just kind of recharge, especially during this time of year. As it's, Like I mentioned at the very beginning, like this is a very tough time of year. Because it's too cold to like really do anything outside. It's not snow. Well, it is snowing. But you're, like, you're not going to go out to go snowboarding or skiing or snowshoeing because the snow is gone. And it's muddy. And it's cold. And it freezes. And sometimes all those things and the light and the darkness and all that. Everyone's some, getting a bit of cabin fever. Having some sort of inspiration during that time is important. As little or as a small... as little or as a small, as little or as large as needs be to help you get through. Because taking care of yourself is extremely important in being a teacher because you, as a teacher, you give so much during the day that you need to recharge. And so we're hoping that some of these things might help you. We're hoping that if you've got other ways that you recharge or things that you're like, oh, we should tell people about, send us a message on Yammer email us at DLA support, let us know because we do read those things and we will share those. Who knows, maybe we'll add a little section of teacher inspiration at the end of every podcast. Yes, I would love that. So our hot take this week comes from an article, Reboot, Five Resources for Teacher Inspiration. And I also want to point out, I cleaned up my Feedly, which is basically a place that houses all the blogs and stuff I read. And they actually have like boards now that you can just move articles to instead of saving them all. So. This one I actually found in midst of moving things around. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We have an interview coming up with Allison Leach of Walsh Elementary School. So for those of you who don't know, when I first started teaching in Springfield, first I was at a charter school, but then when I got into the public district, 
my school was Marianne Walsh, which is where our interviewee is from. Interviewee? That sounds right. Okay, that sounds right. Suzanne's telling me it sounds right, so we'll go with that. So my interviewee, Allison Leach, she actually started there, I believe, my last year there, or maybe two years. She was there for two years while I was there. Anyway, she's still there, and she's teaching, and she's doing a fabulous job and doing lots of great things in the classroom that we are excited to share with you today. So go ahead and take a listen. I have been a teacher for three years now, all three at Mary Walsh Elementary School, and also all three years as a fourth grade teacher. So a fourth grade teacher in the same building, and before that was college? or yep. college. I went to UConn for three years, and I actually started off as a pharmacy major and totally changed <laughs> into education and transferred to Westfield State for the last two. Nice. So in college, since your teaching experience is the last three years, and I want to kind of know where you're coming from with technology, how much did you use in college? All the time. <laughs> Literally for every single class, whether it was an online class or in the classroom, we were online almost the entire time. You have a lot of experience with learn using a learning management system from the student side of it. Yep, absolutely. Knowing that and then coming here, how has adopting something like Brightspace been for you? It's been nice. It's definitely something that I see the kids enjoying and being engaged in, and I felt almost the same way when I was in school. It definitely can be boring, though, if you don't use it the right way, and I, I saw that, too, as a student using it, so I try to make it as engaging as possible and use it whenever I can, but don't overuse it as well. So with Brightspace, what are some of the fun activities or... You know, as you were saying before, you wanted to make sure that you weren't overusing it or making it boring. So what are some of those fun things that you've been doing? So not necessarily the fun things on there, but that's usually more of a place where I post information for the students. So instead of piling up my anchor charts in the classroom, I'll take pictures of those and post them on Brightspace so that students can access that whenever they need to so that they're actually going back and looking at those anchor charts rather than just forgetting about them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a quiz that I generate on there that they can do with a partner or something rather than doing a response in their notebooks, which they like better than doing the writing most of the time. So it's, it's good to change it up a little bit. And with getting ready for the different high-stakes testing that they do and stuff like that, a lot of we do... MCAS on the computers now. So being able to post the passages on there and having them do close reading and doing stuff with passages on the computer and getting that practice in has been really helpful for them too. And they like anything that's on a computer, usually most of the time anyways. So having a piece of paper in front of them versus a computer, they usually prefer the computer. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely helped with student engagement yeah, overall. Yeah, for sure. So while Brightspace is a learning management system, what are some other tools that you've used? in the classroom so one of my favorite tools to use in the classroom and it's for behavior management is class dojo uh, i've used that actually since my first year teaching and i have stuck with it every single year because it's been so helpful uh, the students get 
points based off of their behavior. And at being a PBIS school, we only actually give them positive points. In my classroom, they have a goal actually daily to get to. And if they get to that daily goal, then they earn some type of reward. And it's very helpful to get them on task and do the stuff that they need to do. So that definitely gets engagement up because if that starts going off in the classroom, they start focusing and getting to what they're supposed to be doing. Um, that's something we actually use school-wide now too. We implemented that this year as a PBIS team. Um, so we trained all the teachers in using Class Dojo, and we have classroom pages, but we also have a school-wide page. So every single student is within a classroom on a page on Class Dojo, so that any teacher in the entire school can give points to students, and that affects their score on their Class Dojo pages. It's really cool. Nice. And so with it being school-wide, has the adoption by the teachers been very positive as a way to keep track of PBIS stuff? Yep, for the most part it has. Um, we've, we're still working out some of the kinks, like some people have classroom pages versus that whole school page, and they're finding they're using one more than the other. So what we're trying to decide now is whether we just go to the classroom pages and invite teachers to that, which is easy to do. So then there's not the confusion between the two pages. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely still some things we got to work out, but for the most part, using it overall has been very, very helpful. Nice. The last question I have with Class Dojo. Some teachers like to post the classroom up on the smart board yep. in front of the room. Other teachers, they like to use their smart board or projector to actually do other things. Yep. Where do you fall in that range? I actually kind of am in between. Um, most of the time, if I'm not using my... Anytime I'm not using the computer for something else, I have it posted up on the board. Um, and even if I don't have it up on the board, I still have it open in a tab so you can still hear the sound. And the sound is usually enough to get students on task and doing their work. Um, my first two years, I actually still had a clip chart. And I actually took that away this year because... It was too confusing to have two things going mm -hmm. on in the classroom, so I've just completely gone to Class Dojo. Um, the students actually have their own accounts too, so they can change their monster and they can see all their stuff. And the parent contact is definitely one of the best aspects of it, being able to just simply say to a kid, if you don't turn it around, I'm going to message your mom or your dad mm -hmm. and anybody and just get you back on track. It's a really good lever, but for good behavior too. I really like being able to reach out to parents and tell them, hey, so-and-so did a great job today, or send them some student work. We can take pictures mm -hmm. and send stuff. It's really nice. Nice. How do the students feel about it on the board? They like it, actually. With it not being negative points anymore, I think that's a big difference. They only get the positive points. Um, and I actually use the random feature quite often, so it kind of keeps them on their toes. So it's not always favoring some students over the other ones, like not only mm -hmm. giving students the students that are always behaving the points, it randomly selects people so that they can get a fair chance of getting those points. So for the most part, I think that they like it. Mm -hmm. So a little bit ago, you mentioned preparing for MCAS being online. I know coming from Walsh, I was fifth grade teacher here. Um, we did park online. We mm -hmm. did MCAT. We were one of the first schools to do MCAS online. What are some of the tools that you've used to help prepare the students for that? Because fourth grade is kind of that big year yep. where it's like, of that much more testing yeah. wise yeah for sure um i've found the past couple of years that they really struggle with typing so um i've tried to get them on the computers typing their writing as much as possible because it really helps um sometimes i see that they're writing on paper and they're typing a response on the computer is completely different it doesn't match at all so just trying to get them to understand that even though 
they're typing it, their writing still needs to look the same, and there's just a whole other structure of it that you have to teach them. Um, so that's a big thing for them because they do have those long essays that they need to type up. The Brightspace is a big part of it, being able to do stuff online. There's a lot of interactive tools. Like I know I use um, Kahoot a lot, being able to do quizzes like that where they're on the computer, just getting used to touching things and doing stuff. One of my favorite things to do on Brightspace, though, is to be able to use those different things that they'll see on the test, like multi-select and drag and drop, stuff like that. That takes a lot of getting used to for them, and we've seen on ANET that they struggle quite a bit on those types of questions, not because they don't understand the questions, but because they can't figure out how to drag and drop things. So the practice on that is definitely mm-hmm. essential. Some schools are departmentalized, some are not in fourth and fifth grade. With this being a fourth grade classroom, are you departmentalized? We are not. Nope. So you teach all subjects. Yep. In some schools, they use Dreambox. Other schools, they use iReady. What kind of school is Walsh? We use iReady here. Um, we've been using it for the past two years now, I think. Two or three. I know that you're looking at me for an answer on this. <laughs> um, it was my... I was here for two years while we had it. So, okay, so yeah, four so, years. Yeah, so four years since in this I've, building. Yeah, so since I started, they've had iReady. Um it's definitely a great tool. I like it a lot. Um, it's all about how you use it, though. If you use it as your instruction tool, it's not as effective. If you use it as an intervention and as a supplement to what you're doing, it's extremely helpful. I know this year we and last year, actually, we started a take-home program with our students. So for homework, that is an incredible resource because the students are getting homework based off of what they need, not necessarily what we learned that day, but there's also extra lessons that you can assign so that students can do those lessons based off of what we learned that day too. So it's really awesome. So for many of our interviews, we haven't had many people talk about iReady. Mm -hmm. Um, iReady is an adaptive program, and you said if you use it the right way. I guess then the question is, how do you use it? So when I, my math block usually starts with the crafting, and then we go into our, our composing meaning and them doing the work and all that stuff, and... The iReady usually comes in during that intervention time when I'm pulling small groups, but it's never more than 15 minutes a day. We try to get up to, our goal is 45 minutes a week, so even if you're doing 10 minutes a day, it gets you up to that point. It's just not encouraged to use it as a huge chunk of your math block because it just takes out that instruction time that you really need. So the timing of it is really what's key what time you're using it and how you're using it. Sometimes even for morning work, I'll assign that. So they come in, they eat their breakfast, and they go on the computer and they go on iReady just to settle in and get ready for the day. So there's definitely plenty of time to use it throughout the day. It's just finding those good chunks of time. Mm -hmm. So with iReady, does it come with a lot of statistics or data for the students, like on what they're doing? Yes. And is that fairly easy to understand and access? Yes, absolutely. It comes with a ton of information. Um, It gives you how much time they're on it, how much time they're spending on each lesson, if they're struggling, um, if they're completely failing at it and they need teacher intervention. It gives you um, different lessons and things to teach if there are those students that need that intervention that are struggling so much that they can't move forward in in a lesson. It gives you their growth, so how much they've grown throughout a lesson or over time. So that we do three different diagnostic tests throughout the year, and um, 
we can see how much they've improved or grown throughout those diagnostic tests. It tells you about what grade level they're on and how much more they need to get to get to that next grade level. So that kind of information is really helpful for um, things like intervention groups in math and guided reading or reading skills groups during our blocks. So it makes it just really easy to pull those kids that we need to and target the things that it's telling us to. With seeing that data and then seeing the ANET data and then seeing the district assessment data, plus your everyday um, informative assessments that you're doing, have you seen a correlation of using like iReady and some of the online tools that you have to a better outcome for the students? Yep, definitely. I think just getting them online and on the computer helps with taking tests on the computer for sure and learning how to see a problem on the computer and have to transfer it to a piece of paper to do writing and stuff like that. Um, it, I mean, the scores pretty much for the most part are across the board. They look the same, but the growth is really what's interesting to see and how they're growing throughout the year and comparing those to those assessments. Mm -hmm. So with all of that, and again, looking at the data from last year, because you said that you've been teaching for a few years and you mm -hmm. had M, you did MCAS online. Did you, were you able to see a clear correlation of like, well, this is where the student was in iReady and where they ended up for the MCAS test? Like, is it a good way to judge how a student's going to turn I, out? I feel so. I feel yes so far. Um, another way that we used it actually last year was to identify our tutoring groups. So we did Saturday tutoring last year to get kids ready for MCAS. And it was really that that we used to help us identify which students were struggling, which kids could we give a few things, and it would really help them on the test. Um, so those things are definitely really helpful. Nice. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We are at the end of the day, and of course, we all like to go home <laughs> at some point. We don't want to live at the school. So one of the final questions that I ask in these interviews is that if you had the opportunity to stand in front of all the new hires in the district um, during August PD when they're getting their like induction, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them? I definitely would say that the best thing for you to do is just to try it. Um, just We tell our kids all the time that it's okay to make mistakes, and I think that it says a lot for you as a teacher to be willing to try something new and tell your kids, hey, this is something new. I have no idea how to do it. We're going to try it and figure it out together. Um, I think it shows a lot to your students about who you are, and it's, it's definitely worth it in the long run if you keep pushing at it and trying it. So definitely trying, trying new things and keeping, keeping at it. Well, thank you again for your time. I know we are, like I mentioned before, we're at the end of the day, so we want to just thank you. Thank you. So Suzanne, now that you've had a chance to listen to the interview I was I did with Allison, what do you think? Just another example of a fabulous teacher in Springfield, Mike. I loved hearing all that she's doing with her class, that she's using Brightspace, and she seems to be very uh, well aware of how she uses Brightspace in that she doesn't want to overwhelm the students 
and yet she wants to make it exciting enough that they're very engaged when they use Brightspace. Yeah, I felt like when I was talking with her, like it's very much a closer model to like a blended learning model where it's not like everything is on online and you're just there as like a teacher facilitator where they're doing everything on the computer. But it's also not not being you, not not being used. <laughs> I had to think there about my double negatives. But she using it wisely instead of putting everything there, she's putting parts of her lessons there, which I think is a great use. And I think a lot of that stems from her time at in college using a learning management system where she was able to see it from a student perspective. I, I definitely agree. That's a, a huge benefit for her to have experienced it herself. I know, you know, prior to learning about Brightspace, I had not taken any courses online. So there's a big learning curve there. And we know a lot of teachers are faced with that learning curve. So if you're at her school, you are in great hands because having gone through it recently, because she's a fairly new teacher overall. And so having gone through it recently, she can see both sides of it, which is great. I think being able to put a lot of the um, MCAS practice on there has helped. And it seems like she has seen the improvement in her students too, from being able to use the computer. And I can't remember if she mentioned it or not, but I feel like she said, said something along the lines of like half the battle with like doing testing online is the online part, not necessarily the content that it is. Right. The, to have the students understand how to um, address a multi-select question or a drag and drop question, uh, navigating the various tools within an online system is, is a big piece of it. Uh, what I found interesting was the uh, difference that students have in whether they're writing on paper or typing on the computer. I, we had always uh, talked about basic typing skills and how that affects a student's ability to answer an online question. But the way she phrased it in that it's not just the typing skills, it's really understanding that whatever a student is writing on paper, they need to put that same effort and clarity and understanding in what they type on a computer. I think that's very important. I'm glad she mentioned that, and I'm going to uh, continue to <laughs> talk to other teachers about that. Yeah. Another thing that she mentioned that I've seen in her classroom when I visited it is Class Dojo being up and being active and students hearing the dings and um, just how that they've really transformed it from how it did start out to be used in many schools where teachers were giving points and taking points away to where it's more of a true PBIS model, which is their awarding points. I like that she had um, goals for her students and that they increased as time has gone on when students are able to meet them consistently she seems to have pushed the bar a little further. Right, and I also liked how she uses that random feature. Mm -hmm. So however the, the artificial, I'll say artificial intelligence <laughs> again, or the algorithm works in Class Dojo, um, I was happy to hear that it, it won't always choose the same students for the same reasons, that it's able to allow every student within the class to feel successful. And the parent messaging was a huge part, too, mm -hmm. with Class Dojo. I know she loved that. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Walsh is one of those schools where 90% of the students are bused in from all over the city. So getting interactions with parents, I can say this from experience being there, 
has always been difficult because of just not being able to get to the school for many of those parents. And so phone conversations can vary. Um, but what's nice with Dojo is that it actually has a translator built in too. So it attempts to translate for those parents who don't speak English. So it helps you as a teacher communicate with them. But it's also a quick communication too. Like it's not like you're sending a letter home with a student and a week goes by and you're still waiting for a response and you send another letter and another letter and then a phone call. And then the phone call is like, I didn't get any letters. And then come to find out they're all in like a different wrong folder or crumpled up at the bottom of the backpack because other things got put on top of it. So like that communication gets lost. And by the time that it can be done, that what needed to be communicated can be communicated effectively has long passed because of just various circumstances. Right. And I just love the fact that you said it's so it's so easy and quick to do. And how awesome is it as a parent to get a nice, quick little note from your child's teacher that says they had a great day today? Exactly. Again, thank you, Allison, for allowing us to come out and talk with you in the classroom about the things that you are doing. Hopefully this is inspiring to some other teachers out there. As we wrap up today's conversations, I just want to remind you that you do have the ability to ask us anything. You can go do that through Yammer. You can do that through DLA support at SpringfieldPublicSchools.com. You also have the ability to follow us. And we just added a new place just this past week that you can actually get the podcast and listen to it anywhere. And that's through iHeartRadio. So for those of you who are counting, and I know you all are, of course, we are available Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher.com or the Stitcher app. We are available through iTunes Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, you go to the podcast app on your phone, you can listen to us there. We are also available through Spreaker.com. That's the host site. So that's where we host all of our podcasts as the host site. We are now available through iHeartRadio and the iHeartRadio app. We are also available on YouTube. So if you want to stare at a black screen and listen to us talk, that's also another option for you. We also post these in Brightspace. You can also find them in Yammer in our SPS Digital Learning Hour group. Every new podcast gets updated there. So that's it for today. We hope that this was very informative and informational for you. I am Mike Thomas. I'm Suzanne Zargis. And we'll see you next week.